And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Here we are, back at it again. Uh, every single week, I sit down, I come in front of the microphone, I talk into the microphone, I edit a video, I put out the video, we do the microphone stuff again. <laughs> we put it we put it away, the opposite of the microphone. And we are doing it again. I'm Chad White, I'm your host. Episode 281 of the Constitutionals Podcast, the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. I don't know if I said that part. Uh, that part. It's like... Uh, Schoolboy Q. All right. Seems like I just have Tourette's with uh, Tourette's with song lyrics. <laughs> That's what the show is. I think that might be the fastest, <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, way to get to the title of the episode. <laughs> Here we are, coming in hot. I have. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to the Fox Theater tonight. If you're listening to the show, if you're listening to the show, or if you're watching it, I'm going to the Fox Theater tonight. I'm finally seeing Hamilton. Uh, it's uh, I've I was I was in early. I w- I was telling somebody this morning at the gym. I was I was in early with Hamilton, mostly because Anthony Rapp, who is a um, a, a Broadway star as well as television and film star. I don't know if I'd call him a film star. I revert back to television. He appeared on, on this podcast that I listened to called Never Not Funny. And he, uh, 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 sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to turn off these reactions. And he was talking and, and he, he, he mentioned, he's friends of the, he's a friend of the show and he, uh, that show. And he mentioned this little tiny up and coming show that was coming out uh, that year. He goes, have you, guys, have you ever heard this Hamilton? <laughs> it's going to be huge. <laughs> and, and, and he bragged about it, and, and then the guys were like, oh, okay, wow. And then it came out, and it friggin' blew up. And I remember that, I believe that fall, or whenever the album came out, the album came out, and uh, it was on sale, I believe, on Google Play, when they still sold music, and I bought it. The, it was the, it's the one time I've ever sat down and bought like something i like I, I don't i didn't buy a lot of music off of google play uh some of it was itunes i know there's a lot of stuff that is still connected to my itunes account which used to be my sister's she named it after both of us that's very nice she only had an ipod i did not and then i got an ipod when i um uh, in high school the ipod touch and then uh and then she got her own itunes another itunes account <laughs> And then I just took this one, and there's a lot of free episodes of television on here. When they used to give away free episodes of TV, I have like the pilot to American Dad, the, and the, and then like shows I would never watch, you know, be like it's like shows from Bravo and and shows from like uh, like old Disney shows, canceled shows like Pan Am. I think I have the entire series of Pan Am because they gave it away, and I was like free TV show. Anyway, it's a little history about me. All right, let's get into this episode. This comes from Variety, written by Rebecca Rubin. Speaking of old shows, or new shows, whatever, or movies. Disney strikes deal for Sony to take over its DVD, Blu-ray, disc business. Last week, it was noted that Disney might be wanting to get out of the uh, the business of producing physical media, which is a shame because there could be a loss to um, 
lose there could be like, like Disney not Disney not printing its old movies um which they did in like the early 2000 in like the 90s and the early 2000s remember the Disney Vault oh my god I hated the Disney Vault because you would see those commercials uh of of shows and movies like Lion King oh Lion King Diamond Edition is coming out it's only going to be available for a limited time uh the Disney Vault basically let me see when this happened You'd have movies like Snow White and Seven Doors, Pinocchio, stuff you couldn't buy all the time. And I was always concerned about movies. They even put sequels in the vault. The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True. I've seen every single one of these movies. I'm looking at this list. Lady and Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, Return of Neverland, Bambi 2. I've seen every single one of these movies. And uh, Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning, which is a prequel. But now all this stuff lives on Disney Plus and streaming is become has become with this giant juggernaut and physical media, people don't collect things. Again, that bookshelf to over my shoulder if you're watching the video is filled with DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4Ks, movies and TV shows from the early, from the late nineties, early two thousands, all the way up until last year, I think. I think that's the last time I bought a disc. I'm still buying discs. I love discs. I put I put them in my Xbox or my PlayStation and I let it ride. Every time someone Every time I tell people that or they come over uh, uh, and they see that and they see the the collection, they go, who still buys discs? This is all about streaming. I'm like, listen, honey, things get taken off of streaming all the time. Things bounce around. Even even when it comes, I'll, I'll, I'll even buy stuff on digital, which I do, which is like the main way I buy things now. But I, I think it's always important to have to own something because... I can't tell you, sometimes in this apartment complex, a strong wind blows and the internet goes out. And then I just and I just go, okay, well, I can play. I can, sometimes you can play a game because now they're all connected online. I think if the internet went out right now, uh, the Steam Deck, the uh, and the I think the Steam Deck, the Xbox, and the PlayStation would all have. And that reminds me, did I pay my internet bill? <laughs> that is a very big reminder for me. Oh my God, it's already been paid. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess so. Whoa. All right. <laughs> I guess it auto-paid. But now Disney's outsourcing the entertainment, the, that manufacturing and distributing side to Sony Pictures Entertainment. Not just Blu-rays and DVDs, but other physical media as well. As part of the deal, Sony will market, sell, and distribute all Disney's new releases, catalogs, and uh, and, and catalog titles on physical media to consumers through retailers and distributors in the U.S. and Disney, uh, U.S. and Canada. Disney will continue to own to manage its own digital media like premium video on demand. Oof, man, that's that's a, a you know we have a games from Microsoft being published on PlayStation and Nintendo and. Um, PC, and then we have Sony games being published on Xbox and PC. Uh, it's it's always so. It still feels odd to see things bounce around like that, but that's how everything has always worked. Um, Abbott Elementary is a very popular show on ABC, but it's produced, I believe, with Warner Brothers because it's uh, under a Warner Brothers banner. Uh, 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 there's plenty of uh, Paramount things that have been produced and released and distributed with other labels and everything. 
Physical release uh, sales, disc sales have been declining. Uh, in the U.S., they've dropped 28% to 748 million in the first half of 20, 2023, compared to the 1.5 billion in the prior year, according to data from Trade Association DEG, the Digital Entertainment Group. It's my favorite um, rap group. <laughs> it projected that 2024 will be the first year revenue drops below $1 billion. Best Buy is getting rid of its DVD and Blu-ray sales in early, early 2024, or discounted sales of that, and now it's going to move on from that. Uh, Netflix's decision, I couldn't turn off the thing. I couldn't turn off the thumbs up thing. The movie, uh, Netflix uh, stopped doing its DVD by mail service. Walmart, Amazon, and Redbox are uh, uh, still selling copies of Avatar, Way of Water, uh, Avengers, and things like that. You know, if I knew there were only going to be five avatars, I would just buy it on physical. But knowing that he wants to do more, <laughs> man, just let this thing die. Now, on top of that, the Disney Movie Club is shuttering. This comes from Emrita uh, uh, Khalid over at The Verge. It's about to get even harder to buy some. Oh, wait, it's the same thing. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> it's the same thing, but hold on. Um, this comes from a, this, this quote is attributed to the rap. We've enjoyed serving you for the last 23 years, but consumer behavior and viewing preferences continue to evolve so we may have uh, made the tough decision, so we have made the tough decision, rather, to close Disney Movie Club, the Disney Movie Club wrote in a statement. The Movie Club users will have until May 20th to place their last orders, and Disney will officially end the service on July 20th. The Digital Bits reported uh, the closure and uh, the news of the Disney Movie Club shuttering was delivered to the services 10 million US uh, users, as well as the email, uh, as well as the services website on Tuesday. The Disney Movie Club launched in 2021 as a way for people to access uh, a, a physical, to build up your, your physical movie selections from Star Wars and, and then eventually Marvel and, and all these other movies. New members who signed up for a two-year contract would receive the first four titles for a buck under the condition they purchase at least five other movies for full price for the remainder of the contract. It's kind of like the um, Columbia uh, Music Club or whatever that was. Columbia Tape Club, CD Club, whatever. Although Disney Movie Club prices were often higher than that of physical retail stores or Amazon, the size of its library was unmatched. You see, this is where you got a lot of things from the 40s and 50s that were never uh, seen, were never published in mass quantities. Sometimes you get things from the vault. <coughs> God, my throat is dry. I just did a video interview on Hopefully a video interview, not for this website, a real actual video interview. Godspeed, Disney Movie Club and physical Disney sales. All right, let's move on to Hollywood Reporter. This comes from Winston Cho. Fubo TV files $1 billion lawsuit seeking to block Disney, Warners, and Fox Sports streaming platform. That streaming platform is still carrying out ahead. I think we got news today that uh, David Zaslov said that uh, HBO Max, excuse me, Max, will be included with this uh, service as well. So, And then Disney's also expected to put on things that um, aren't uh, sports-related either. So 
I assume that uh, that shows from Disney Plus and Hulu. And then I, I believe Fox is set to do the same thing. So I assume that shows that are on Fox Broadcasting uh, as well. But now we also, and also there was a, there was a uh, confirmation that I don't want to talk at a school, but I'm going to my email. Let's see. David Zaslov. Okay. I don't want to talk out of school, but I I do want to note that David Zaslov did say he did say that HBO Discovery so all that so all the stuff from Max is going to be on there. And he, and uh it is noted that the three companies plan to this comes from The Wrap written by Eileen AJ Connolly, too many names. Max will be available in bundle with Mega Sports app. David Zaslov says, and uh, she writes that ESPN, ESPN Plus, to you, SECN, ACCN, ESPN News, Fox, FS1, FS1, FS2, BTN, TNT, TBS, True TV, and ABC Network will all be on there on a non-exclusive basis. Wow, that's a lot of letters to be put together. Now, Fubo is, again, the streaming platform that is cable, essentially, just like YouTube TV, just like Hulu with live TV, just like uh, Sling TV. And actually, I remember I was in the Sling beta, and I got TV. This is when I was in college. uh, And I got TV over my Xbox, and it was so great to have live TV and not pay for it and like, and it'd be a legal thing. And, and, uh, and you could just bounce around the networks and stuff. Oh my God. That was the, it was the best being in that beta. I love that. And that was, what was that an Xbox one or Xbox 360? And, and you could just, it was slow and probably cumbersome, but man, it was great. And I had a, <laughs> had a very, it, the futon's gone now, but I had a futon. Yeah, that used to be in the in this in this show. I used, I used to sit on it in my my second bedroom of my old apartment, um, and uh, I and that I, that was my bed for a long time for a couple of months. At first, it was an air mattress, and then it was that, and then but that that turned into my it was it became a, a couch. Obviously, when I was watching Sling TV, and then I was going to bed, I would fold it down, and then when I got a real mattress, it became my couch in my bedroom. Uh, but yeah, I can't remember. I remember doing that. That was. That was that was the golden age, golden era. It was like right before streaming hit. Uh I miss those. I miss those times. I really do. Things were so much easier. I had so much more money when I was a senior in college. The lawsuit filed in New York federal court on Tuesday uh, under seal names Disney, Fox, and uh, Warner, uh, and it seeks to block the joint venture. Is ESPN Plus going to be, oh my God, ESPN Plus is also going to be in there. Oh, so this one, this one also names that Max, ESPN Plus, and Hulu. Wow, that's crazy. So you're going to be paying $70 a month, let's say, and then you're going to get Max, ESPN Plus, and Hulu. <laughs> man, oh man, uh, I'd rather just stay with um, YouTube TV. I mean, in some cases, this like if you if you have YouTube TV, you have no reason to go over to this platform. There's there's true, or if you have Hulu with live TV, there's no reason. Fubo is the only 
platform that should be concerned because this is going to offer things that people might already have. But like if you're if you're a Fubo fan, this might offer things that you already have. And also, you know, Fubo is kind of still in the lead because it's got that installed user base. Just because it doesn't have a name, it still has that installed user base, and it also has um, niche sports that that no other place has. The suit accuses the media giants of leveraging their, quote, iron grip on sports content to extract billions of dollars in supra-competitive profits. I, in, in some facets, I kind of agree with that. It, it makes sense. Um, uh, Fubo should probably have done a lot more advertising in, its, in the past couple of years. If it had, if it had this access to... Th- Things like cricket and soccer matches that no one else has or really has. According to the release announced in the suit, other examples of behavior that may violate antitrust laws, which is which this could be antitrust because it's all these conglomerates coming together, include the media companies charging Fubo content licensing fees uh, rates that are as much as 50% higher than the rates they charge to distribute other distributors. <laughs> that's like that's like blocking out and, and trying to take down competition implicitly. Defendants also impose non-market penetration requirements, the percentage of total subscribers to which a content package must be sold to or cannot exceed on Fubo, the company said in a statement. These actions individually and collectively increase the cost Fubo must pass on to consumers, customers. Fubo believes it is hard. It it sounds like an elbow. Uh, Fubo believes it has incurred billions of dollars in damages as a result of the defendant's actions. Wow, Fubo's stock plummeted more than 25% after the announcement. Whoa. Of the uh, of the streaming venture from the conglomerates. Again, we're just going back to uh everybody everybody says we're just going back to cable, but now it's just in a different form and function. Insanity. All right, this next one comes from Variety, written by Clayton Davis. Zero black women have won BAFTA's Best Actress category in 76 years, so when will they? Uh, The BAFTA's, if you don't know, are kind of like the British Oscars. Um, You see people, you know, you see them celebrate every year. Unfortunately, in the past couple of years, it has been noted, (laughs) in the past couple of years, that it is a very white affair. People complain about the Oscars. People complain about the Emmys. People complain about every other award show being white affairs. No, if you, I'm talking nominations. I'm talking uh, uh, winners. I'm talking probably even producers and such, except for that one guy who was arrested for uh, sexual assault. Um, uh, uh, He happened to be a black man, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, it, It really, really stinks because the BAFTAs, often get overlooked for their racial prejudices. And people all the time, those British actors, they they'll they'll go and then, you know, every so often somebody will say, "Oh, it's not it's, this black woman haven't been in a thing." But then you go, but then you look at their the actors in the movies, you guys haven't acted with people of color in in forever. I think Olivia Coleman did her first movie with a black guy a couple years ago. I'm not kidding. I think I don't know. I don't really recall. God, I haven't I haven't looked at her movies over the last forty years. <laughs> Sorry, that's very amazing. She's not that old. <laughs> I don't care. I'm kidding. 
Halle Berry's triumph for Monsters Ball at the Oscars stands prominently, while the BAFTAs lack a similar honoree in the upcoming Sunday ceremony. Seems like I changed that. The year's roster of lead actress nominees, so the BAFTAs already happened, uh, boasts a diverse array of talents. Vivian Oprah garnered attention for her breakthrough role in the romantic drama Rye Lane, alongside Fantasia Barrio's captivating performance in the musical adaptation of The Color Purple. We and uh, uh, But unfortunately, compared to Sandra Hewler and Carrie Mulligan and Emma Stone and Margot Robbie, who people... Uh, friggin' kill themselves over because she didn't get a nomination. <laughs> Black actresses have have not won at BAFTAs in such a long and forever. In response to the viral hashtag BAFTAs so white hashtag in 2015, BAFTA pledged to overhaul its nomination process. In 2020, then Chairman Krish uh, Krishnendu Majumdar. Uh, committed to affecting, quote, meaningful and sustainable progress towards a more inclusive award ceremony and industry at large. Efforts have failed to yield significant changes in winners, particularly evident in the Best Actress category. Instead, the nomination selections draw criticism on notable omissions like Olivia Coleman uh, for her movies The Lost Daughter and the Father instead of their interesting selections. Last year, despite 10 of the 24 nominees across the four acting categories being ethnically diverse, BAFTA's eventual winners produced an all-white lineup. Austin Butler, Kate Blanchett, Barry Keoghan, Carrie Condon. Oh, Jesus. Now, this year, uh, Paul Giamatti, Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., they're the ones that are going to win for things. A 2018 report from business psychology firm Pern Candola revealed that approximately 94% of all BAFTA winners have been white. 94%. Oh my gosh. A statistic that is a likely increased since. The analysis noted a mere five BAME, black and minority ethnic males nominated for leading actor and six BAME females for leading actress. Subsequent years have been marginal improvement with 10 POC nominees added to the leading actor category since 2020, resulting in one victory for Will for King Will Smith for King Richard. Leading actress nominations have increased by 11, yet victory eludes them. Uh, Viola Davis for The Woman King further solidified her position as the most nominated black woman in BAFTA history alongside nods for Widows, Fences, and The Help for prospective veteran actress Maggie Smith boasts four BAFTA wins. What is it going to take for these for these nomination committees for any award show to actually sit down and not nominate somebody just because of uh, their their prestigiousness? Again, it also I don't know who who's the voting BAFTA committee. Uh, Denzel Washington has never received a BAFTA nomination, that which is insane. Although supporting actor categories uh, for POC in the past 25 years, including wins by Puerto Rican actors Benicio, Benicio del Toro and Ariana DeBose. Wow. Those, uh, those are the only two Puerto Ricans uh, who have won for POC representation in the past 25 years. Or like for POC representation, excuse me. Like, anyway. Uh, it's, uh, when, when is it going to come for these? The, you have to, you can't complain about it and then not do anything about it. There have been so many moves that have come out in the past year that where people can be nominated for uh, anything. And uh, I mean, that just that's like any year. But what I'm getting at is there's a lot of talk 
And when it comes to shows like the Oscars, when it comes to shows like the Emmys, when it comes to shows like SAG, it's your peers that are voting for you. And if those people don't get up on stage, if they want to get up on stage and then talk the talk but never walk the walk, then it's not going to happen anytime soon in the future. And it's unfair for your actors to, uh, your, your fellow actors to be subjected to voting from their peers and not really be uh, given actual chances. Like this next part, this comes from Tom Tapp at Deadline. Women-led films fell close to 30% in 2023. That's near a 10-year low from a study that says. That's a study from USC Annenberg Inclusion Initiative. Wow. The percentage of women, women of color, and women 45-plus in films released in North America in 2023 plummeted to lows not even seen in uh, almost a decade. I just found the longest hair. <laughs> it's not my hair. And a woman has not been in this apartment for a long, a couple of, okay, I don't want to date myself. I did go to the grocery store this morning, so maybe that was it. I was at the gym this morning. So oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And I had a date. <laughs> All right. The percentages for these these numbers have uh, haven't been that bad haven't been this bad since 2014 even with Barbie included in the thing and for all the crap I give Greta Gerwig at least that had you know some amount of women in it USC Annenberg analyzed the quote gender identity racial ethnicity and age uh, uh, lead of leads and co leads across the top 100 grossing films. From 2007 to 2023, which encompassed more than 1,700 titles in all. These are not good numbers. They stress that one film, even if uh, even if it's the year's biggest, cannot make up for the relative dearth of representation in the remaining offerings. All right, let's take a look at these numbers. The DI efforts are failing women and girls as protagonists, uh, as is what the name of this chart is. In 2007, there were 20 movies across 1,700 films. There are 20 movies of the top 100 grossing. There are 20 movies in 2007 that had uh, leading female actresses, uh, leads and co-leads and all that stuff. 31% in 2023. It was at a peak in 2019 with 43%. Excuse me, uh, 2022 at 44%. Oh, it's disgusting. And the numbers the numbers fluctuate year over year. And they dropped this year for the first time since 2014. Again, as I mentioned before. Age-wise, only three solo-led or co-led movies last year featured a woman 45 years of age or older at the time of theatrical release. Cocaine Bear with Carrie Russell, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 with Nia Vardalos, and Magic Mike's Last Dance with Salma Hayek. In fact, for every one film led slash co-led by an older woman, there were 10 plus led slash co-led by an older man. Let's get down to more numbers. The breakdown of representation by distributor female leads slash co-leads includes 
Disney at 41, 46.1%, uh, Paramount at 44.4%, Warner Brothers at 38.5%, Universal Pictures at 21.1%, and Lionsgate at 20 As for racial ethnic leads slash co-leads, Disney at 38.5%, Warner at 385 Sony at 308 Paramount at 22.2%, Lionsgate at 20 they, there's also this fact that they have to hire people, the women behind the camera. The numbers, uh, as, as read in this deadline piece, would seem to indicate a relationship between who is working behind the camera and who is seen in front of it. Of the 30 films with a girl or woman in the lead or co-lead role, 36.7% were directed by a woman and 63.3% were directed by a man. In contrast, the films that did not have a woman or a girl in the co-lead or lead role only 4.3% were directed by women. For women uh, directors of likelihood, uh, for women directors, the likelihood of roughly half, 51.3% of the films, with an underrepresented lead slash co-lead had an underrepresented director, while 48.7% did not. Again, it really just come, underrepresented directors were, mo- uh, were much less likely to work on films with leads slash co-leads who were not underrepresented, which means that they paired black directors with black actors, Latino directors with Latino actors, Asian directors with Asian actors. Less than 10%, 10% of the top grossing films without an underrepresented lead had an underrepresented director, while 90.5% had a white director. Oof. Again, as I mentioned before, it really comes down to people having to uh, stand up and 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 fight for... Um, uh, the people who don't have a voice, and when you don't, when you don't do that, uh, it it really stinks, and it it hinders the progress of all of uh, the uh, the industry at large. This final bit comes from Wall Street Journal, written by Jessica Tunkel and Amal Sharma. It was it was kind of mentioned in passing. And no one's really talked about it since, but Paramount Plus owner has discussed combining it with Comcast Peacock, both Paramount Plus and Peacock. There are, Paramount Plus is kind of sinking, not sinking, but just slowly deflating uh, the lead it, it used to have, but now it's just slowly been deflating the past couple of years. And Peacock is um, a loss leader. I, I wouldn't even say a leader. I'll just say it's a loss. Um, but it's doing better than a lot of other Comcast things. Now, there's uh, Warner Brothers and Disney and Fox Broadcasting are coming together to do this sports thing, essentially leaving Paramount and Comcast out in the dirt. So what are these two to do but to get together and maybe partner up on their own streaming service? Bringing the two streaming apps under one roof could produce significant cost savings from spending on programming to marketing and create a more in-depth offering for consumers, especially with regard to live sports. A commercial partnership or joint venture are among the arrangements the companies could pursue. Now, if we remember correctly, we've done this before. Again, we're we're all bundling back up to some type of cable-ish platform. Does... I think I think just not not even like one streaming app, but I think partnering up and maybe doing just I, how many how many ways can you get Max? You can go to Verizon. You can uh, you can get it with now Disney and, uh, and 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 this Fox thing in the in the fall or next year I think in the fall or next year. 
You can you can get bundles every which way. It should just be bundles. You don't need to have and then and then like let's have bundles uh, have contracts run out. You don't have to have one app for everything. This is this is get, becoming egregious and it's and it's really hurting the consumer in the process. And we know we know it's expensive to run a streaming platform. Look at Netflix. But you don't have to be Netflix. They're the, they're succeeding because they went gung ho at a time when no one else was doing it. And now they're so far ahead. You're just pl- you're just trying to play catch up, and you're never going to catch up. No one ever will. We thought when Disney Plus came out that it was going to happen, but it kind of had its peak and then leveled out. No one's ever going to play catch up to uh, to Netflix at this point. Paramount's been trying to uh, find a way to sell its assets or to sell itself. Its parent company, National Amusements, has been trying to find a way to sell. And no one, and they're still kind of up in the air on that. Sherry Redstone, the boss of National Amusements, has taken talks with Skydance, has taken talks with other businesses like Warner. There's there's no way for any of this to work and be sustainable. And I know at this point a lot of companies like Paramount are bleeding cash because of these streaming properties, but don't do this. And I'm not saying this as somebody who will more than likely buy it, whatever this is, even if it's going to be $15, it'll save me money on both Paramount Plus and Peacock. Don't do this. This this feels anti-consumer. Because we just got Paramount Plus. We just got it. To, it just got Showtime. Peacock is is still getting in its groove. Team up for a bundle. That's the thing that'll that'll work for you, right now. But throwing away an app and trying to get people to move over to another thing. Look at Max. People are still chastising Max. As the dumbest name. I still call it HBO Max. And people have been proven. You're not Netflix. Netflix. They can put on a password sharing blocker thing. And people will sign up. As we've seen in these uh, Q4 results. Of the past uh, quarter. That's what Q4 means. (laughs) But but Paramount and and Peacock. They're not Netflix. You're not going to be able to right size the ship by by making one app cuz i think i think the regular consumer is going to say oh paramount plus is gone okay and then they're going to move on <laughs> or they're going to go to amazon channels and go oh that's where it is and they're going to get through that way and you're going to get less money that way because amazon's taking a, a piece of the pie Anyway, that's my two cents on that whole situation. Look, if you liked what you heard here, head to the website cpluscomedy.com where I sit down and talk to your favorite people in the entertainment industry. More, uh, The most recent interaction is with the comedian Chris Martin. We talked about his new debut album that just came, not debut, I think it might be his sophomore. His, uh, no, I think it might be his debut. I don't remember. Uh, it was a great conversation though and it just came out today, the day that this releases. Um, it is a above average comedian. He's a very funny guy. He's British. And yes, we do talk about his, uh, name in relation to the show, to the Coldplay singer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great conversation. You can watch a video version of that 
you can listen to the listen to the audio version that just came out prior to this. We watched a video version of that on youtube.com slash C plus comedy under the show The Interviews. Yes, a very good title. You can also watch video versions of the other podcasts I do. Uh, LinkedIn Logs, which is the Jobs podcast, and Late Night Lately, which is on hiatus this week, which is the Late Late Show podcast. What is the tagline of that show? I think it's like, uh, <laughs> am I just Googling Late Night Lately <laughs> podcast? Okay. Late Night Lately podcast. Uh, it is the Late Late Show, right? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it's the Late Late Show podcast. I don't know. Who cares? Listen to the show. It's fine. I do late night stuff. Uh, if you want to see, uh, uh, again, video version of the show, it's on um, uh, youtube.com slash C plus comedy and the, all that stuff. Go to the website. Do that. You can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at C plus comedy, me on all those platforms, at Chad Black White. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. And I'm going to keep vamping until it gets to the part <laughs> where I could actually throw to the outro and just let, just bring up the music ever so slightly. And that's coming right about now. 